0: Hello listeners, so this is just a quick little video to say that I messed up on my audio recording pretty bad Um, My audio is so bad in this episode and the video failed as well So just the software I was using kind of let me down Um, I should have tested it better from this location that I'm recording at so that's my bad It'll get better in the future, but luckily the guests audio is perfection So thank you in advance for putting up with my terrible audio um, it's a really good episode though, so I hope you enjoy. Okay, so today I have a anonymous escort that is still working. Um, I actually, through posting on Twitter, um, some people interact with my tweets and she interacted with one of them. I, fe- I have no idea how long ago and I ended up DMing her and uh, yeah, she's got a just I, I think it's private now too just like a small following just one of those accounts that just posts kind of like all the real ways you feel about working in the industry because you can't post that stuff on your main account and still get clients so I just wanted to find yeah honest escorts I guess so you've got to find anonymous people or retired people and I found an anonymous girl willing to talk so that's who I'm talking to today hello hello Thank you for joining me. <laughs> of course. So, I guess the first question is why did you say yes to me or like why are you interested? Why do you have the account? Why why?
1: Um, I said yes to you because I thought that you offered some really interesting and um truthful insights even though those insights might be like um might make others feel bad or, um, call you a swerve in certain situations. Um, like it's not meant to like everything that you've said is not meant to like disguise the truth. And that's what I admire most. Um, I kind of have like a separate account, like you said before, because, you know, it's not good advertising to put some of the things that I say on my main account. Um, so that's really why I stay anonymous. Um, I try to make sure that I don't say anything that would potentially out me as well in the process. Um, but I would say like, the main reason why I'm here talking about this is that I wanted to dispel the myth that high-end sex workers are somehow more like happier than those who charge less or that being high-end and hating this form of work um somehow means that you're unsuccessful those are like two
0: of the main hits that i keep getting oh well you just either they assume that i only did like survival street based work and don't know what it's like to charge more so i just didn't do it right or yeah, like it's just not for you, but it's for some other people. So yeah, I think that's I think that's really cool. I guess if you're comfortable sharing however it is that you got into like the industry or how yeah, just how you ended up if it was always high class or if you know what the difference is. I don't think anyone's like ever only high class, but I guess that's just my bias. It's not reality, but
1: yeah, so my story kind of begins. I was um a stripper first. And I always say that stripping is like the gateway drug into like other hardcore forms of sex work, like prostitution and mainstream pornography. Um, And then I sort of like got into doing like arrangements and things like that. I feel like that's kind of like the natural progression. Because at first I was like, oh, there's no way that I would ever do prostitution. And then it just kind of... I I got into, like, a deeper and deeper and deeper, like, territory. Um, It doesn't just, these things don't just happen, like, overnight. Like, you just kind of get used to and more desensitized to, like, um, more um, hard forms of sex work. Um, And then it kind of became, I was, like, doing like Dominique's work for a while and then kind of got my feet wet into like doing like companion work and then I started off as like a relatively low-end escort um maybe not for Canada for like the U.S. and then I kind of just like climbed my rates like very steadily um since then and um I really do believe that I got involved in this industry because, I mean, yes, there was like financial destitution. Like I was about ready to um, have my, uh, I was about ready to get evicted from my apartment and that really scared me and I didn't really have any other options at that time. And so that's when I started stripping and I made like, hundreds of dollars at night and I felt like I was on top of the world um and I also got into it because I think that like I had such terrible self-esteem um it's not like oh like I need male validation that's not what it was it was like I can't do anything else I'm not good enough um this is just what I'm going to have to do in order to survive and none of those things were true at least not true in the long run yeah
0: it really resonates the whole like this is just what I deserve it's weird I don't know how that creeps in there but it does yeah totally um do you remember I don't know if you're willing to share do you remember like what your rate was when you first started escorting I just wonder like how big of a change that was
1: yeah, it was 300 an hour.
0: Okay. And you, like, used, like, Backpage at that time? Or you, like... Yeah. Went for an agency?
1: Yeah, so I never was a part of an agency, but I did use Backpage at that time. Um, and I was told to kind of, like, keep married slow because, like... One of the girls that I knew was just like, well, this is kind of, like, a smallish town. Like, you're not going to be, like, making a whole lot. And then after I moved from that smallish town, I, like, lived in, like, a major metropolitan area for a while. And then, like, I just really, like, hyped up my rates ever since then.
0: And what do you think makes someone be able to get away with charging a higher rate?
1: Um, I think most of it's just marketing. Um, there's nothing that is inherently more valuable in, um, high-end escorting versus low-end or even mid-range. Um, I think it kind of attracts a lot of men who, uh, feel terrible or guilty about hiring an escort. And so they're just like, well, the best I can do is just to see a high-end escort and there's going to be less of a chance that she'll be trafficked or that she doesn't want to do this, etc." cetera.
0: Yeah. It's like paying for It's Yeah. It's the marketing trick of I'm paying for this higher end thing. So it's better in every way, not for any like real tangible reason, maybe other than it costs more. So it must be better.
1: No, it's just like, you can afford the high end brand look. Um, you have a good website. Um, you don't say anything on Twitter that might be um, controversial or make, you know, clients feel at, you know, feel like they're unease about a situation, I would say. Um, it's really, I just feel like high-end escorting is mostly just like a ton of emotional labor and bullshit.
0: It's a, a lot of telling clients they're not doing a bad thing and that you love your job. Yeah, exactly. And so you said that um you wanted you made your whole anon account just to vent even though it's basically to no one but that doesn't matter it just feels nice to say the truth basically it gets like bottled up and it you it makes you lose your sanity if you can just never express reality. Yeah. Um but why would you keep being an escort though? Like if you made all this money stripping um, and then decided to have arrangements. And I get that it kind of stops being like a big deal. But yeah, do you know, like if someone asked, why would you keep doing this job if you don't like it? What what would you honestly say back?
1: Um, I think, and this is actually something I was thinking about yesterday I wanted to talk about today, that there was like this, there's a certain point of time where I really could have, left the industry and would have been completely and totally okay um and i didn't take that opportunity because i didn't have any other skill sets at the time even though i was kind of working towards that um it was in like 2018 2019 is when i could have left but didn't um and like i was working towards like what i'm doing now um And it was just really unfortunate that at the time I just felt like, well, this is just what I have to do. This is what I've always known. And I'm just going to keep doing that. Um, and then I think as time went on, it became harder and harder to leave because of the fact that, I mean, 2020 was like a really messed up year. And I felt like that held me back a lot. Um, because of, like, how the world was just, like, shaking up because of COVID-19. Um, and it was just really ho- It was a really hard year for not just me, but, like, other sex workers as well, I'm sure. Um, and so then during that time period, I got into, like, a ton of debt that I did not want to, like, be in in the first place. Um, I had, like, kind of – it was kind of sprinkled. It was, like, medical debt, credit card debt. Um, and then uh, student loan debt as well. So it was just a lot of overwhelm. And so now I've paid off, like, a lot of that debt, and I'm still, like, kind of working towards, like, paying that off. Um, and right now I'm just sort of working towards, like, um, applying the jobs, which I have been doing. Um, and just also understanding that I'm not going to make nearly as much as I've made as an escort in like the career path that I want to go down.
0: And does that bother you? Just as like a as it like, enters your mind, or Are you like still like, oh my god, what, how am I gonna live? Or
1: um, I think I'm like to the point where I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm so burned out that. Anything, like, any job offer or interview that I get, I'm just so hoping that, like, this will be, like, the end to, like, the nonsense and, like, being in situations that I absolutely dread every single day.
0: Okay, but I just, I'm going to continue on this, but you said you could have exited, but that means that you had, like, enough money saved? Like, what do you mean you could have exited but didn't? Like, do you just mean, like, you saved enough at the time? It was just like financially, you could have stopped.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I actually saved like well into the six figures at one point, and like that would have been a really good time to exit and just sort of like focus on like doing, um, like doing some like work on the side. Obviously, to kind of kind of like support myself every month, but I could have really been focusing on like the work that I. You know, what to do as a career as well, and I, I didn't do it. Um, so.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I I feel like our relationship to money is kind of like, fucked. I say our, and I know it's not everyone, but I think just right. in general, it's like a safe assumption to say that our relationship to money is like you make a lot of money at once. I think sex workers often give it away a lot, too, like, to family members or friends or something because we make it so fast, and then it's just, like, you think all of life is like that, and then when it's not like that, it's like, oh, God, I can't live anymore. It's just learning money skills, I think, that's keeping a lot of us in it.
1: Right, and yeah, I think a lot of women in this industry succumb to lifestyle creep as well, like oh, I'm going to get the nice fancy apartment in Manhattan or I'm going to live uh, in some nice condo in LA and that stuff will bite you in the ass eventually if you're not completely, like, wanting to do this long-term. Like, if you want to retire eventually, like, um, it's going to cause a lot of people to have to really... Decide and think about what they want to do. Um, and also be humble enough to accept the fact that, like, this is not going to uh, sustain you long term in those lifestyle choices. So I think that happens a lot. And I think people get sort of lost in the industry for those reasons. Um, just focused on the fact that, like, I need to hustle. I need to make more money instead of like wait a minute, is this actually what I want to do long term? And for most people, it's not.
0: Right. I would agree. I I know what you said about um working another job and knowing that you're not going to make as much money um and yeah, just not caring because you feel burnt out. Um yeah, that's basically what I did in October, September, October, and I was talking to a friend, I don't know, it was, like, months ago, but I said that I was just working some not impressive job, but, like, I like it, it's a good part-time job for me, and they're like, why do you, why do you sound like that, why, why are you, like, telling me what you're doing for work and you sound like that, and I'm like, well... like you can't be you can't be ashamed you can't be ashamed of what you're doing because it's like leaps and bounds above selling your body to people like any way you look at it it is preserving your life energy and who you are and it's like way better for you mentally and it's yeah I'm at the point where I agree and it's funny because you and I I assume both made the decision that oh I'll just sacrifice this to make money and now it's like the inverse of oh fuck the money I'm gonna preserve Myself
1: instead. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people, I'm sure people who aren't in the industry, like who listen to this podcast, don't really understand like when you're in it, like it looks really glamorous from like an outside perspective. But like when you're in it, that sparkly, fast cash eventually like wears off pretty quickly. If not within the first couple of years, definitely down the road when you're like more and more, like, um, involved in the industry and you're making, like, um, like five figures a month, um, it starts to wear off. And I feel like I've suffered a lot of, like, mental health issues because of it. Um, I've had to suffer a lot of relationships, friendships because of it. Um, I've led, I mean, up until this point, I've led, like, a very isolating in solar life, um, and I felt like there was a huge void, and because I've taken a huge setback from the industry, um, I was able to actually like get therapy and finally like rekindle either old friendships of mine or introduce new ones as well, um, and I just feel like a better, fuller person because of it. Um, I'll also say that I developed, because I was working so hard and so much, I developed a lot of um, physical health issues um, to the point where I've developed a chronic illness because of the stress that I was under. Um, It's a lot easier to do this job when you're um, drinking or doing drugs, although I've never done this job on drugs, however, but I was an alcoholic throughout this entire, uh, time I've been in the industry up until about like, I'm going to say like two or three years ago, I stopped drinking alcohol. And once I stopped drinking, it was like this veil came off and I really saw the industry for what it is.
0: That's a really good way to put it. And I'm really sorry about that. And also, i um, really proud of you for being sober for two or three years. Congratulations. It's it's not easy, especially like in today's culture.
1: Yeah, it really does ruin your psyche long term. And like the way that you engage with people and how you see money, um, it takes a lot to reprogram or program yourself out of that kind of thinking. Um, Luckily, I was never the kind of person that. move that sort of, like, transactional relationship from, like, client to, like, provider into my personal life. Um, you know, I've never, like, saw my friends as, like, oh, these people can just, like, do stuff for me, and I'll just do stuff, you know, it's not that way at all, and usually, like, no one can ever do 50-50. It's always, like, Um, especially in relationships, it's never 50, 50. It's always like 40, 60 or 30, 70, um, and it switches up and that's completely normal. Um, whereas like in a lot of ways, like the transactional relationship between client and provider is just very like, um, it's just very like robotic in a lot of ways. It doesn't, you know, it obviously isn't real. It's not genuine. Um, It's just hard to find a connection with people who are, you know, twice, three times your age. Like, most of my clients are in their, like, late 40s or 50s or 60s, sometimes even 70s and 80s. And, like, what do you talk to them about exactly? Like, what do you talk to these people who have, like, no similar interests, like, no similar hobbies, um, completely different life experiences, um, completely different viewpoints, politics, ways of seeing the world. Um, like the only thing I can talk about is just like small talk and like you know traveling seems to be like a huge topic of interest that comes up in sessions of mine. But um, it's just it's just bizarre. I don't know. There's like something predatory about fifty year olds going after early twenty somethings, or in my case. Um, early 30-somethings, although I feel like I'm much more capable of setting boundaries than I was at, like, 22, 21, um, when I started escorting for the first time. Um, but it, like, really makes me sick to my stomach to think about how many, like, six year olds that I was seeing when I was, like, you know, in college still. Like, that's really gross to me.
0: I also think it's gross, but I mean I'm not a man. So I mean, I'm like very aware that women feel differently about this than men do. Men like eternally see 21-year-olds often um as attractive, and any any man that's like attracted to an age appropriate woman, it's like, "Oh, like that's sexy." Um yeah, you said <laughs> So, obviously, like, on main's on Main Twitter, on, like, a real escort Twitter, um, like, a lot of the posts are, like, Stockholm Syndrome, I love my clients so much, all the time, and so, obviously, all the naysayers, when I write my articles saying, like, it's soul-destroying and we're fucking lying, and they're like, they're not lying, it's just you. Do you lie on Main? <laughs> Do you
1: say that you love your clients? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're lying? What? Oh, yeah, all the time. It's it's bait it's marketing bait it basically like lures people in and I'm sure that there's some escorts that really love what they're doing but like a lot of people that I've known for years that have been doing this for years they're just very jaded people in general and like yeah you might like your clients the first few years when you're like you know really you know hitting it hard and making a lot of money and you're new and people like the new girls. Um but it's just like long term like I feel like people get or become more aware of like what this really is about. Um and even if they, if they say that they like sex work, which I question sometimes, um A lot of them just get really annoyed, like, annoyed of, like, clients pretty easily, um,
0: so. Sure, I've never met a girl, like, talking behind the scenes, whatever, having a drink that's like, oh, I love fucking my clients, like, never have I ever, that's not a thing that is said, it's, oh, I like my free time, I like the money, I like whatever, like, it's not.
1: Right, it's everything but the actual part of it, like, the actual, like, work part that's the bad part you just
0: justify you like all the other
1: parts right yeah it gives me all this time to be with my kids it gives me all this freedom it like allows me to travel around the world whenever i want to and like that's all fine and great but like you could probably do that with like another job if you wanted to you just would have to accept the fact that your lifestyle isn't going to be like this fancy glamorous thing and sometimes i actually think that it's actually really wholesome Like, it's actually, like, wholesome, like, if you're traveling and you just stay in hostels and stuff, like, you meet more people, it's more adventurous rather than some, like, stuffy five-star hotel that these, um, women are spending their money on. Um, yeah, it just, there's, there's other ways of living the life that you want, um, than doing sex work. Like, there's, you know, you can apply to do, like, digital nomad, um, like in portugal for instance or anywhere around the world like there's other ways of like doing this that doesn't involve like having to have sex with unattractive six-year-old men
0: it's yeah it's it's the level of like psychological damage you've got to do to yourself to convince yourself it doesn't bother you that is like the biggest it's not even like because you could have like a hookup that you hate one night fine whatever but to be like oh I'm okay with this, like, the levels of lying to yourself and, like, path you've got to go down that inevitably happens because, like, I won't say that sex work traumatizes everyone that does it. I don't think it does. I think it's like playing Russian roulette, like, every time you do it is, like, a brand new opportunity for very high chances of getting traumatized, is what yeah. I yeah Yeah, Um, Do you, I don't know if you're comfortable answering this, but do you, like, remember the first thing that stood out to you when you stopped drinking and kept seeing clients? Because I would, like, if at all possible, I would absolutely have a drink, like, 95% of the time. While seeing a client, before seeing a client, like, I wouldn't have a hookup sober. Like, why would I see a client sober? It's the same thing. So, like, what was the first thing that stood out to you when you were sober seeing a client?
1: Um, it was just really awkward. Um... It was just like, I felt like a deer in the headlights the entire session because it was just so, it just felt unnatural. It just, it didn't feel right. Like, it felt like I was in danger, actually. Um, Whereas, like, when I was drinking before, it was just like, oh, I'm just doing this to loosen up. Um, But I don't know. It was just, it was so strange. It was just like, oh, my God, like, I really hate this. And alcohol kind of... I was a happy drunk. um, And alcohol kind of made it easier for me to, like, interact with clients and, like, you know, really fake orgasms and fake the entire session, fake that I was into them, um, appear really happy and just, like, go-lucky kind of person. (laughs) Um, And I really do feel like it, you know it has affected my business not drinking anymore. Um, I still see, like, regulars and everything, but it's just not, it's not the same. And perhaps also, like, after the pandemic or during the pandemic, however you want to view that, um, it was just, like, I really do think, like, the glamour sort of wore off during that time um, because it really was just, like, I would hear... My regulars talk about how important I was to them, and how we share such a close connection. And like, even though I understood it all was fake, you know, they were legitimate about it. Like, they they were really expressing how they felt. And you know, when you know, shit hit the fan globally. Um, however, you want to view what COVID nineteen was like your opinions, whatever, like, they just kind of, like, dropped off. I just never heard from them again. Um, And it's not like, you know, a lot of people, even if you wanted to work during COVID, a lot of people weren't doing it because they were afraid of contracting this virus. So it was just really... It was just really disappointing and i feel like i should have known better um to see that these these men who have always told me that oh hey i have your back no matter what situation you're in um i'll help you no matter what just kind of disappeared completely and that was like a complete letdown and i feel like that also kind of propelled my like anti sex work stance as well
0: I mean, yeah, the fact that you're a luxury becomes apparent when there's a crisis because you are. You're not part of their real life. It's all lies. And it's, like, not convenient to realize until, yeah, there's an emergency. I'm not even sure that it's intentional. I think that they do believe that when they say it to you. Because it, like, we lie to ourselves because it makes things easier, so.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of lying on both ends. Like, a lot of lying, convincing, and just feelings of, like, wanting to feel less empty and try to fill the void, but I think in a lot of ways that, like, providers who are very immersed in this industry, as well as clients, like, they're just very, like, lost to me. Um, They, and that's what I appreciate about being anonymous so much, is that there's other anonymous people who just, they know what this whole game is like. They don't have any false um, pretenses about it. There's no This is so great feeling. Um, I just feel like a lot of people like lie to themselves about this work and that's actually like more damaging than being honest about your, like being honest about your situation and how you feel about this.
0: Yeah, but like, like we said, you wouldn't get clients. Did
1: you say that you hate all of it?
0: Because I've written that I like talking to the men, like I love talking, sure, but, like, any, any of the intimacy, like, I would have never engaged in otherwise, and, you know, I keep people that don't actually read what I write are like, oh, well, you hated all of it, you were just, like, not suited to this, and it's like, no, I think you can, like, like a person, but still not want to have sex with them and only be doing it for money. Did you feel that way, ever?
1: Yeah, so there's actually a couple of people that um, I've seen for a long time, Um, who come to mind and, like, I really took a liking to them. Like, I thought that they were um, really cool people. Um, We shared a lot of interesting, wonderful, encouraging conversations. Um, They're just very down-to-earth people. I've traveled with them. Like, I've gone overseas with them even. And, you know... It's like we had, like, personal chemistry, but, like, when it got time to, like, you know, have sex with them, it was just really gross. I don't know. (laughs) I just did not like that aspect of it. Um, But, you know, we, like, shared a connection and everything. And, you know, I considered them at the time to be my friends, Um, even though I don't really see either of them much anymore. And then I think, like, the fact that it's given me, like, opportunities that I never would have had before in, like, such an easy way, Um, that part of it was good. I mean, that's not really a part of, like, the actual, like, labor or work part, but it did help me, like, um, reach a lot of my goals that I had, Um, and that part is great, but again at what cost
0: yeah it's a like I want more free time it's like that's a great reason to pick a job it's not a great reason when you consider the trade-off is penetration from
1: strangers it's like yes but no um right and I feel like as a high-end escort like I mean I am I feel like I had a lot of I dodged a lot of bullets Um, throughout my time. Um, I mean, there is a risk for everyone, but, like, the risk for high-end escorts, like, goes down quite a bit. Like, um, while, like, anything can happen to you, and I'm fully aware of that, and I accept that, like, I do think that there are less scary people that I see, or, like, less, like, people or less situations I could find myself in that are like really scary and violent. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't have PTSD, which I do. I do have PTSD from this work and I disassociate and, um, like all throughout it pretty much. And I have just learned how to do that. And I think that's really unfortunate. Um, I've been stealthed a few times by clients. I've been recorded without my permission, and God knows like where those videos are. Um, they're probably either online or they sold them off to people. Like who even knows? Um, but there's just like a lot of incidents where lack of coercion exists on a spectrum and I always tell people that it's not like either or like, yes, like you can be sexually assaulted and yes, you can actually like consent to seeing a client. Um, but there is, there are different levels of like coercion. So there's like coercion and the fact that you need to pay a rent and that's really obvious. Um, but then there's other like forms of coercion within sex work and if you're lucky enough to um have boundaries then yeah it probably will work work out for you and you will like it um but if you are in a situation of destitution those boundaries don't really hold effect like it's just kind of you're taking on whatever work that you can get and so yeah it can a lot of people don't enjoy sex work for that reason. Um, I know a lot of people say that like they can pick their clients, but that's, that's a luxury. Um, when I first started out, I didn't have the, the ability to do that. But you started doing that later? Um, yeah, I started to do it a little bit later. Um, not so much anymore because the economy is just in shambles at the moment. Um, At least in the U.S., but I I did that when I was really at my peak. Um, I was able to like reject a lot more people, and I was able to like uh, see a lot more people that I liked. Um, And now I don't know if it's because I changed my marketing or what, but I just seem to get a lot less um, interesting clients that I. Do it. Generally, enjoy talking to. It's just, it's just been a lot of people who focus on the physical part of it, um, and I just think like twenty twenty has really changed and messed with people's minds. I think a lot of people have become a lot more um, like selfish and polite, rude, um, like the things that I'm seeing anyway. So, I don't know, it's just that the, the landscape of sex work really has changed in the last three years. Like, what it was like before is definitely not what it's like now.
0: Well, there's also a lot more people escorting, so I'm sure that that also plays a factor in there somehow.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just, like, get on main Twitter and there's, like, all of these, like, people that I've never even heard of that are, like, starting, like, their rates are just literally, like, starting at 1500 an hour. And, like, to me, that's so crazy because, like, most people had to, like, start if they wanted to get in, like, the high-end market, so to speak, um in like major and metropolitan areas in the u.s it's kind of like they started 800 and kind of like put themselves up to that um but there's people that are like starting off with like four hour minimum rates and stuff like that i'm just like do you really need to do this like is there a reason for you to be involved in this or is it just yeah that's to me screaming you don't
0: have to do sex work and you're just right yeah yeah yeah, I'm. you said you think some people can like it. I'm not convinced. I think we just like the money. Um, yeah. And then just justify it. Because I'm not convinced. Because, like, obviously we've both been in this situation hundreds of times. Of being literally naked with someone you don't know touching you. And, like, looking. Like, it's the look in the eyes, you know? Yeah. And it's just wanting to be desired and you being, like how could I, I don't know, you, you're you literally paying me for this. How, how is that anyone's ideal life? Like, I couldn't, I'm not going to believe it. It sounds like a lie, so.
1: Yeah, it just feels like, I mean, I really do think it, I, I do agree with you that it's really just for the money. Um, there's no other explanation for it, because there's no way in hell that you would be messing around these men for a minimum wage. Right, like, yeah. There's just no way. Um, and like everything about the interaction, it just feels so slimy to me. But yeah, it's like the look that they give you is just like hungry, like frothing at the mouth animal. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but that's that's how I that's how I see it.
0: How did you find out that you have PTSD from this work?
1: Um. Well I was clinically diagnosed with it, um, like based on like my symptoms and stuff. but um, I was having a lot of terrifying nightmares at night that were crippling me in my daily life. Um, it was also that I had a hard time functioning as a normal human being um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, like, I would go back to places where I saw, or, like, where I saw people who I had a terrible time with, or I was raped, and, like, just get, like, this, I would just have, like, an onset panic attack. Like, I would just be, like, shaking and hyperventilating, um, and that was really scary upon like a whole bunch of other symptoms I was having. And I spoke to um, a licensed professional and they're just like, yeah, like all of these are symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I never like saw a person, but I read like whatever PTSD books. And like, I got, whenever I was relaxing, going for a walk, sitting there, like enjoying myself, relaxing, like flashbacks, of, like, clients' faces, like, their eyes, like, them looking at you, like, I just, it's like endless movies that, like, won't stop playing, and I can't, like, stop anytime I'm trying to relax, and it's like, yeah, I, what do you do then, because when you try to, like, relax, yeah,
1: mm, it's
0: very startling, yeah, and it's not even, like, one situation specific could be any, any of the hundreds of situations, it's all just so sad, and people you can't help, like, people that Want a solution to a real thing? Feeling lonely, they want a solution when they hire an escort. That's why they're hiring you. Like something's missing, and they want you to fill it. And you can see that. And it's like, oh, like I can't. Whatever's going on here is not going to be solved by me.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I've I've told friends of mine who are really wonderful and compassionate about my situation that you know these these men come to us and really they're in a really bad place in life and they come to us because they are. And so like, there's a lot of like discussion with my clients about their wives, how they won't put out anymore. Um, and like how they don't want to have sex with them, which is like, okay, well, I'm sure that there's other stuff going on. I do think that some of my clients are actually very abusive people, um, to their wives. um, not all of them, obviously, um, but I do think cheating is kind of a form of abuse. If you think about it, um, it's an emotional abuse, for sure. Um, and I think, like, just given our six, like six, excuse me, society and the community that we have, I mean, there's just like no community anymore. And I think that's why a lot of people are lonely. Um and like women can get lonely too, but our first response isn't to just like go see a male escort, even though there's a few women that do that, but it's very minimal. Um like I think men like associate and they've been socialized to associate like sex as this Thing that I do to feel less lonely or to fill a void and I just don't think that's a healthy way of dealing with loneliness um, if like I had a penny for all the times that my clients wish or tell me that they wish that they could have divorced their wives without causing any impact in their life like I would probably like be out of the in- industry by now like it's just so common um and I just don't understand like you know there's no one you're in a good financial spot there's no one that is holding a gun to your head forcing you to be with your wife at all um and in some ways like though I think divorce should be discouraged like I think people should try to work things out and couples therapy sometimes it's just matter of conflicting like priorities and i think in those situations it's healthy for both people to like seek a life that they want or seek a person that they want like if you know if sex is really important to you you should definitely be with someone who like is also like also feels that same way or um if you sort of you know, have like this desire just to kind of be like a stay at home mom or like, I don't know, like what I'm trying to say is that people need to like find other people that sort of like fit their lifestyle or like what they want out of life. And I think a lot of Clients of mine just married because of, like, family pressure and not because they actually enjoyed or truly loved their wives.
0: But see, an escort seems like a perfect solution for them. Why would you say an escort isn't a perfect solution?
1: I just feel like it's a band-aid to the problem. It doesn't actually fix anything. Um, I've actually dated a couple of clients, and though, like, they're both terrible in their own ways. One of them actually said that something that was like very profound. Um that I never like understood from like a client's perspective. And they were just like, you know, you see an escort and you feel good for that time being. But then like there's just like this wave of loneliness that comes over you afterwards. It just it never goes away. So you're constantly searching for this next high or this next like help me fill the void incidents um, or situation. So it's just never ending. It's really hard to find people on, I understand it's super hard to find people on dating apps and like, you know, it would be hard to divorce your life and like your family and like, um, your kids would not, you know, be in a happy situation, likely who knows. But, like, nothing is worth the, um, that kind of stress in your life. And there's always ways of figuring out how to co parent in those kinds of situations and, like, divorce situations. Um, like, there's, there's tons of people that, like, you can, um, meet at similar interests, hobbies, activities, um, Given that the divorce rate is so high, I don't feel like there would be any shortage of, like, you know, divorced women out there. You just are terribly picky or you essentially want a naive 20-something to kind of, like, fulfill your needs for free.
0: I think a lot of the guys, a lot of the clients that I had said they wouldn't get divorced because of how much it would cost them. Like, a lot of their businesses are in their wives and their name. But yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're looking down like the next thirty years, like is a bit more money worth it to you? Like, is that the only thing that's going to make you happy? You know, look at <laughs> it's it's funny. It's two people looking at money as the answer. Right. Yeah. So you're telling clients not to come see you as a solution.
1: I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, um, I think no matter what I say, people will still keep coming to me no matter what. Um, or just using, you know, escorts no matter what, because it's easy. It's an easy solution to a larger problem. Um, but, you know, at the same time, yes, I kind of have to have clients see me because I have to pay my bills. That's just, you know, it's just a fact. It's just a harsh truth at the same time. Um, But, yeah, I mean, clients can totally – I guess what I would ask them is, like, is your freedom – does your freedom actually matter to you? Like, to me, freedom is priceless. And if you can unchain yourself from an unhappy situation, then do it. There's, There's no need to go behind anyone's back. And for a lot of women, like, infidelity would be a cause for divorce. So you can't say, oh, this isn't a big deal, because it is. Because if they found out, they totally would file divorce papers. Um, And I just think that, like, even though your wife could be, like, really wonderful, except for the sex part, like, I still think that there, you know, there's a lack of communication there. There's still a void. If you're seeing escorts, there's still a void, no matter how close you are to your wife.
0: Um, yeah. Do you think that we're the homewreckers in that instance, you know, like when a client sees an escort and maybe like the wife finds out or I don't know what, I don't know if you've ever been, a uh, like contacted by a wife. I only, I only ever was once. And it was like my first year of escorting in the UK when I was 21. And I, we'd sent maybe two or three emails back and I met the guy once for an hour And he just talked about his new baby and wife. Like, we didn't kiss or have nothing. And that was it. And I, at the time, called men stud. I don't know what I was... I was like, I'm just going to call every guy stud to be, like, more, like, friendly or whatever. And so she messaged me. She's like, you guys already have pet names for each other. (laughs) Like, this man hired me for an hour once, if you catch my drift. And all he did was talk about his wife and kid. I think he just wanted someone to talk to. And then I got a message from that guy, like, two months or two weeks later saying, oh, thanks for saving my marriage. Yeah. And then I, like, I don't know, a couple months later, I knew this other escort that I worked with briefly. And she was talking about this guy she saw. And she, like, described him. And I'm like, is his name, like, Bob? And she's like, oh, yeah, do you know him? And I'm like, yeah, they had sex and everything. So, I was like, men are full of shit about this. I'm not, I'm not ganging up on men. I think men are lonely and need help. But it's like... There's yeah, there's lots of lying. But anyways, are we the homewreckers in this instance? Um, do you think it's it's fair to say that we ruin marriages? I guess.
1: Um, I mean, I think that there's there's two answers to this. So like the women who who encourage men to cheat on their wives um, on like social media, or they just like completely lack. Um, empathy for um, people who have been cheated on or just have this really callous attitude towards, um, like, wives or women in these situations. I mean, I hate to say it, but, like, yeah, that's kind of home-wrecking. Or just being, like, proud of the fact that, like, you're fucking these, women's husbands are are these these women's husbands. It's just like really that's like really bleak, um and a horrible outlook. However, I think that like you know people who are just trying to pay the rent and um are in like places or circumstances where like this is it and they don't actively encourage men to cheat on their lives or whatever. Like, I think that's a different story because they, like, reach out to us. And I don't think that we should take the blame for men's choices.
0: I don't think we should take the blame, but to say we weren't involved in any way is also a lie. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I was thinking about that the other day. I was talking to another escort in my yeah, DMs. I mean,
1: I think that there is, like, a sense of, like responsibility that we all have to take. Um, but ultimately, like, if, um, in these situations, like, um, you know, if, a man reaches out to you or just reaches out to anyone, um, and, you know, You follow through with it. Yeah, I do think that there's some responsibility placed on, like, the woman in this situation or the other woman in this situation. But ultimately, like, he has the the choice at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I'd never contact a client first or want to hang out with them. They sought me out to pay me for something. Yeah, exactly. And what would you say about the single client's?
1: Um, (laughs) something I've observed about single clients or, like, even the ones that have been divorced, there's kind of a reason why they haven't found anyone. Not in all circumstances, and I totally understand that, but, like, a lot of them just have, like, really poor communication skills, um, that they've never really worked on, um, Or they're just very strange and, like, socially awkward, Um, which, like, you know, I understand. Um, But, like, it's still kind of strange at the same time. Um, And sometimes those are the kind of clients that you almost want to steer clear from. In some aspects, because, like, they're the ones who tend to be um, really, they tend to fall in love with you, quote-unquote. And I just think that's a really dangerous um, situation to be in when they fall in love with you. Because as soon as they understand that this is fantasy, all of this is fake, uh they lose control and i've had a couple of situations where that's unfortunately has ha- happened to me um they get really defensive like you you know you lied to me like this is all bullshit like how dare you um you're a terrible evil person and i'm just like i've just been sitting here like minding my own business doing my job like this isn't, you know, a lot of these single divorced men don't understand that this is all a fantasy. Like, they really do think that it's legitimate. And it's, it's not. And they get really angry when they realize that I'm not in love with them. Like, I don't want to, you know, I'm not here to date people.
0: See, this is why you'll never convince me the industry is good or healthy. Like, we lie to these men, and they know that what they're paying for is unwanted sex and a fantasy. Um, And it kind of just gets to the point where it's really inhumane. Like, if you think about how much lying is going on on both ends, that you start to think, well, this must be real, because that's, like, it would be dehumanizing from both ends to actually engage in that just for money,
1: yeah, I think that you can probably, like, figure out um, someone's someone's feelings about having unwedded sex with you by body language. But I think men just, like, ignore it because what they want is more important than, like, obvious signals that they're picking up on.
0: How long have you been in the industry again now? Sorry.
1: Um, A little over a decade.
0: Okay. I was, I was going to ask, I had this written down. Um, I don't know if you told your like family or friends, uh, the truth, like how you didn't like it, but kept doing it. Like, I feel like if you told like a friend or a family member that you really didn't like what you were doing, they'd be like, well, why do you, why do you keep working in this industry that like, just stop. Um, and I didn't like, I personally, I didn't know how to solve this problem. I got myself into like, I didn't know how else to like yeah. start working another job after enough time went by like I didn't know I didn't know how to get out of it and I needed help but I didn't want to admit it it was humiliating to me um that I was constantly like forcing myself to do things I didn't want to do that made me want to die like how do you tell someone that and be like I keep doing it to myself like that's humiliating right instead I I basically opted to focus on my resilience and call myself empowered um Whenever someone asked. And then when my when I told my, my family, I also told them that I was, like, all fine and good. I just wonder, like, if you told the truth um, or if you – yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think with my family, I really covered up the truth a lot because um, I didn't want them to worry about me. So I would just be like, oh, this is like – I was actually outed to them. And – When they first found out about it, they, like, flipped. Um, And, I mean, who wouldn't? No one wants their daughter involved in prostitution. Um, And, like, my parents were still together. And, you know, like, I grew up with a pretty normal household. Um, I never came from, like, crazy child abuse situations or my dad left me or, you know, all of these other like, um, stories that are common with other women in the industry. Um, but I think what most, what really mattered to me was that they were concerned for my safety more than like, is this morally okay? Um, they're just like, you're going to find yourself in a bad situation where like, you know, there's going to be incidents of like rape or violence or something um and my dad was like if any of that were to happen to you I would not think for a second about like basically ending that person's life um and he was like you know jail time doesn't make me afraid when it comes to like my family or whatever um so it's like I sort of just like told them that I was okay with it, and that this was a way of paying off my student loans or getting me through college. Um, I sort of framed it in a empowering way, um, like it was like it was a good thing, or that I was safe because I was charging all this money for it, or like I would use like this this car story that it would tell him, like, you know, you're going to take care of things that you um, spend more money on, like
0: a Lamborghini,
1: for example. No one's going to beat up a Lamborghini. Um, But as a human being, like, that's not true. like, violence can happen to anyone in this industry, Um, and there's really no course that you can take where... You can actually, like, in the U.S., you know, this is completely illegal, um, except for, like, places like Nevada. Um, Even then, it's very, like, legislated there, very controlled. Um, Like, there's no course of action that you can take to, like, legally go after these people if something bad happens to you. Um, And I know that even in other countries where it is legalized, like, the police don't really care either. So it's not like, uh, legalization or decriminalization would change, like, how men interact with us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I kind of just made it this flowery, like, wonderful thing that kind of came into my life when it was anything but, of course, and I knew it. I knew it deep down. It was just all nonsense. Um... And then with my friends, I kind of, like, I was more honest with them about stuff that was going on, but when I knew most of my friends, it was, like, in college, kind of after post-college a little bit, too, and I sort of just, like, was, like, we need, you know, sex workers' rights, and, like, we needed criminalization, and all this, you know, activist stuff that I believed in, and... I still do believe that we should have, like, full decriminalization. Um, That's never changed. Um, But, like, is this something that I want society to be involved in long term? Like, absolutely not. I think we need to get to a place in society. I don't think that there is, like, you can, like, censor this stuff or um, make it illegal and in hopes of everything will just kind of, like, like fall out. I think as a society, we have to, like, collectively agree that, you know, this is not what we want long-term. Um, and just let it fizzle out for the most part on its own. Um, because I just don't think that, like, a lot of these, you know, Nordic model activism groups really understand that, like, the root of the issue is poverty. Uh, like, that's what puts women in this industry um, for the most part. I mean, yeah, there's some people who are just like, I love the money, I love the lifestyle, you know, whatever. But, like, most people get involved in this industry due to poverty. And so, I think getting to the root of the issue and fighting against that makes much more sense in terms of like um, being like anti-sex work expansionist or whatever they call themselves.
0: I think, I think a lot of the Nordic model people, um, the Nordic model is like when you criminalize a client buying but not the person selling it. Um, I think they base a lot of their, like, opinions on statistics. Like, if you look up the statistics of women uh, that engage or, like, the amount of, yeah, people that, like, buy sex and sell sex, if you fully decriminalize, like, skyrockets. And then if it's only partially decriminalized, like, the Nordic model, then it's only, like, it's a smaller number of people engaged in it. I think they just kind of, like, go off of that.
1: Yeah, I I think the legality of all of this, like, doesn't really matter at the end of the day
0: that happen Um, whether it's legal or not type thing
1: yeah because it happens anyways and like i don't believe in like like some things have to be dealt with like you can't have pimps and you can't have traffickers you know that's like obviously a no um for most people who are normal um i just feel like some of the things that nordic model um folks really get wrong is that they kind of just like focus on almost like a patronizing like a patronizing viewpoint of women like oh these poor little helpless victims like they won't be able to like leave unless we like help them and it's like simply not true like I feel like you need to give like women tools and resources and low barrier shelters that they can use if they want to get away from traffickers from abusive situations that are turning them towards sex work um offer them training to like develop skill sets and everything there's all of these things that they could be doing that they're not i
0: get you it's really hard to leave the industry Honestly, I sort of keep out of the partial or full decrim conversation. Like for the most part, I don't think policy will be made on my personal opinion. And I think, yeah, like, people like know much more about this than me. I'll ask this though: Do you think that glamorizing sex work to get clients impacts society or has a negative consequence on <laughs> society?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And even in the last like five to ten years there's been like this shift of viewpoint that has been kind of penetrating a lot of like um, mainstream uh, forums and places people gather on uh, the internet, like social media sites. There's been like this push, especially on places like TikTok, um, to view this industry as like this, Wonderful, glamorous thing that like you make tons and like tons and tons of cash and piles of money so quickly and like this is all great and you get to live the high life and you know like I said before like that is what it starts off as but that's not where your mindset is when you get through all of that.
0: But I'm just trying to get clients and make money. It's not my fault what society does or how anyone else is affected by my marketing. Obviously it's just marketing.
1: Yeah, I mean like I don't think that empty slogans like sex workers work is doing anything anyway. I and mean, like it ignores like the harms, the real harms and consequences of working in the sex industry. And the fact that like, you know, this is an industry that has like all three all three things of these like combined has like super high death rates, um super high rates of sexual assault and battery. And you see like high rates of women entering the in you know, this industry who were essentially sexually abused or assaulted as children.
0: Yeah, it's people who learn how to dissociate and now do that for work
1: (coughs) yeah it's essentially like um repeating the familiar or what they're already used to in that sense
0: right and so while it's a thing that sadly but truly can save someone from a worse situation it's not appropriate to say it's good or promote it as empowering or healthy right this is out of left field, but how was your experience of arrangements compared to escorting?
1: Um, I feel like arrangements are essentially, like, uh, supposedly, like, prostitution, but without, like, the prostitution label, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like most of it is basically prostitution, um, but, like, there's just more work for less pay essentially um as you probably know And
0: um, that's exactly how i've said it in the past
1: yeah yeah um and i think it attracts like a lot of women who are just like well i'm not a prostitute so i'm you know this isn't illegal or bad or like this is a good thing and not really because when you look at Who, like, signs up for these, like, arrangement sites? It's usually, like, blacklisted clients or predators thrown in the mix, so.
0: Yeah, a lot of the users are, like, lifetimes on the website, lifetime hobbyists on the website, and always just message, like, the new female users and see who they can get to agree to their, like, low-ball paper meat offers.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um... It's just kind of, like, it's all nonsense. I mean, much of the industry is nonsense, but it's just not... Uh, I always say, like, you know, a sugar baby is two weeks away from becoming an escort when she gets super tired of dealing with these clients who don't know what they want on these arrangement sites. Um, like, they're very demanding and controlling. Um, Actually, one of the clients that I met and dated for a while, like seriously dated for a while, was on one of these arrangement sites. And it wasn't until like months later that I found out that he uh, was sexually assaulting women in the industry. And then I didn't see it for a while. And then it kind of became like this relationship of sexual abuse, um, which took me like years to leave. Um yeah, it was really serious. Um and this I mean, I won't mention exactly everything he's done, but like those are the kind of those types of the kind of people that gravitate towards these like arrangement sites. Like they're very dangerous. I think honestly they're sometimes more dangerous than escort clients.
0: Yeah, I was only ever sexually assaulted by um, men off of arrangement websites and never by an escorting client.
1: Yeah, and there was actually a friend of mine who a long time ago, I'm actually not friends with her anymore, who met someone off an arrangement site and she was sexually assaulted that night. Um, And they had talked about, like, not having sex that night. It was just, you know, a platonic date, I guess. And she was pretty terrified, I'll say that. And I think, luckily, uh, she did not get further involved in the industry because of that situation, which I'm really proud of her for, um, even if we're not friends anymore. Um, But that's the kind of, like, level of scum that you find on these arrangements websites like they these guys do not uh, these guys are not okay
0: well thank you for sharing um I really appreciate it I think this has been really great um there's so many things I want to talk about that I I don't know how long we should like make this um I think that might be a good place to leave it for today um was there anything else that you wanted to add um
1: Let me see. I would like to tell, I mean, what's weird is being kind of like in the middle or like existing in this middle of not being pro-sex work, but like also not really aligning yourself with the pro-model or the pro-Nordic model movement. I don't know what else to say it as because it's just like if you critique The sex industry, you're called Swerve, which is basically a way of shutting someone down and not listening to their experiences, although they'll say that you should listen to, like, sex worker experiences, but then, like, their actions say otherwise, of course. Um, And then there's this, like, also, like, push to sort of, like, like, treat women as if they're incapable of moving on. With their lives, or like they're poor, sad, helpless victims um, that are incapable of making the right choices, and that's just not true at all. Um, and I, I find it kind of disturbing that some of the like pro Nordic model groups kind of post all of these like uh, trauma porn stories, and I think it actually like alienates victims. Of the sex industry more than it helps. Like, these sensationalized stories and stuff kind of, like, either, will they have actually re-traumatized me when I've read them. Um, or they just, like, make people completely turn off to your, like, to your message, to what you're working for or against. And, like, for example, I think a lot of... These um, pro Nordic model groups kind of miss like what we're also talking about when it comes to like decriminalization and a lot of these groups kind of support like stings and arrests, which are fine if you're talking about some traffickers. But in a lot of these situations, we get wrapped up like escorts who are currently working in the U.S., for example, get wrapped up in these stings. And granted. I've never been a part of a scene, thankfully, Um, but I know people who have, and they've told me some pretty terrible horror stories about how the cops um, treat you and interact with you. And basically, like, cops are legally allowed to go forth with having sex with you and then arresting you at the very end. Like, they're legally allowed to do that in the U.S. And I don't know how supporting these sting operations supposedly helps people um, out of the industry. Because, like, even though a lot of people don't want the sex worker to be criminalized and stuff, and I get that, like, there's still, like, a lot of people who support the narrative model that, like, don't know these things. And that's, you know, kind of an issue.
0: Mm, yeah. It's a really complex topic. I'm sorry. I sort of get brain fog talking about this specifically, like the policy topic specifically sometimes. So just like nod and listen.
1: Yeah. I'm just, what I'm trying to offer is just like different sides of the scenario. I don't really care about legalization. Like I said before, um, it's just that I think both people on both sides need to consider that there are a lot of people in this industry who have, like, nuance and don't subscribe to this. Sex work is glamorous and, like, sex work is, like, full of these, like, hopeless, like, victims who need saving or in a white knight scenario or whatever. Like, I think escorts, prostitutes, cam girls, strippers, whatever, have you, like, everyone is perfectly capable of finding a way out. Um, and like you have more power than you think you do. And I've just been focusing on, as cheesy as it sounds like focusing on like what I want in my life rather than like what I don't want in terms of getting out of the industry. I've just been focusing on, Um, applying to jobs, trying to find, like, more skills to add to my resume, like, learn those skills and then add them to my resume. Um, And just essentially, like, work towards that instead of being, like, I have this overwhelming thing, like, leaving the industry. That's just, like, abstract, like, idea that...
0: This one huge impossible task...
1: Yeah, like, it's impossible or, you know, I can't do it, etc. But, you know, I have a game plan, and that's to find a job and then take on – I have, like, a set number of clients that I'm, like, taking on. And then once that's cleared, like, I completely, like, pull the plug on it. So I guess, like, what I'm trying to, like, say is that I – I think that there are certainly a lot of people who have to do this in a lot of ways because, like, there's, like, no other choice. But I've actually never met an escort personally, like, over coffee or lunch or dinner who needed to do this. Like, they were perfectly, like, capable people of exiting or leaving this industry. Um, Like, you're... You, you have more choice than you think you, that you do. Um, and I think like this, I think a lot of women in this industry are like, like victimize themselves in a lot of ways. Like, oh, I'm this poor person that can't find this job or I'm not privileged enough to work this job. And like, I do think that there are some hurdles for sure, but I do think that a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit for what they could be doing.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think my biggest mistake was believing the lie. I told myself that I didn't have other options uh, for so many years. It's a blatant lie. Like, once you realize that... Um, your mind can start problem solving with like other solutions.
1: Yeah. Because totally. I think
0: you fall into the trap easily of, oh, well, that's not going to work out. So I'm going to have to come back to sex work. It's like, no, like remove the option entirely from your brain. Because um, then you'll actually start problem solving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, thank you so much um, for everything. I, I really appreciate it I appreciate the candor um <laughs> probably we could to talk about like, so much other stuff but I'll just leave it there for now and then maybe maybe people will write in some questions and then we could do like a round two or something
1: yeah that sounds great and I'm more than happy to answer any questions okay great thanks yeah of course thanks for having me